I'm Pat McKay, and this is Providence Ventures Radio, where we talk about funding the future of healthcare. That is our focus. That has always been our focus, and we'll keep at that focus because it's what we like to do. And we have a microphone and an actual room to use it. There are two guests with us today, Jeff Stolte from Providence Ventures and Hal Andrews from Trillion Health. Thank you both for uh, joining me today. Thank you. Nice to be here, Pat. Hal, let's, uh, let's start with you. Um, you have over 20 years experience as an entrepreneur, investor, and healthcare business leader. Over the past decade, you've served in executive roles at Digital Reasoning, Shareable Corporation, Availity LLC, RevPoint Healthcare Technologies, Martin Ventures, and Data Advantage. You began your career as an attorney with Waller, Lanston, Dorch, and Davis, and you have not just one, but two undergraduate degrees from Southern Methodist University, as well as a law degree from the University of Tennessee. And you're currently the CEO of Trillion Health, the subject of today's podcast. And best of all, you have a, a, a nice short bio. <laughs> And I'm sure with that background and that experience, uh, you you ended up leaving some stuff out. So if there's anything you want to throw out that I didn't mention, perhaps a best supporting actor Oscar or a beekeeping hobby, something along those lines. Well, Pat, I appreciate that. I I leave the other parts of my bio out because I failed at the music business and the pro wrestling business before I decided to venture into healthcare. So it's just easier to talk about healthcare technology companies than being on the road with Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I want to start a podcast with you. Uh, entirely centered around um, failing at, at the wrestling business, which is actually probably winning. <laughs> yes. I have a feeling. I think getting probably getting out was probably the best thing that ever happened. In hindsight, it definitely was a blessing. So let's jump into the healthcare stuff. Hal, tell us a little bit about Trillion Health and how you came to be their CEO. Well, Pat, over the past few years, I guess the past decade, I have become involved in a number of turnaround situations with emerging healthcare technology companies. A couple of years ago, I was asked to look into a situation at a company called Aegis Health, which had been around for 30 years and whose longest standing customer had been Providence St. Joseph. Aegis had worked with the St. Joseph hospitals even before they were part of Providence. It was a good service. The folks at St. Joseph down in Southern California liked the company, but it was sort of stuck in the mud. And I saw an opportunity to apply some things in my past around strategy and, and mergers and acquisitions and really believed there was a need for a company that was better able to serve health systems with analytics for growth and strategy. From those humble beginnings over the past couple of years, we've done a couple of mergers and brought in Providence Ventures as an investor, rebuilt the platform. We've turned it into something pretty interesting, uh, a tool for health systems to understand what's happening in their markets, to understand their opportunities for growth, to understand the risks that they face, and to try to equip them for the world that they face. Because my background is communications I was um, I was really struck by the, the the just simply the copy even on your website trillionhealth.com. Right at the very top, it says healthcare analytics are broken, and then a little further down, the the site says for decades health system executives have made multi million dollar decisions based on incomplete and outdated models or even no data at all. How much longer can you afford to do that? 
I like that copy. I like that you're coming right at your audience. You're using a very specific kind of language. You're poking people to act. You're not really, you're not pulling punches. You're not trying to play nice. But anyways, in branding, we talk a lot about tone. So I was wondering, did you have discussions about tone with your executive team when you were sort of planning and working on your site and your other communications? Well, no, I didn't have really discussions with them. A lot of the team that's been with me at a lot of the places you mentioned are on the journey again. We have a number of folks who've been with me two or three or four or even five times. And at this point, they're either resigned to the fact that I'm, I'm going to be like that or they've given up hope of, of changing my mind. But you're right. We are trying to be provocative. And, and there's a reason for that. Uh, I'm the son of a physician and the grandson of a physician. I've spent most of my career in dealing with health systems and hospitals, particularly in rural communities. And I understand the impact of a strong hospital on a community. And I understand the impact of a hospital that's struggling to survive or even failing on, on a community. And for us, it's, it's really personal. If you show me a community that's thriving, I'll show you a community that has a very vibrant healthcare system, providers, physicians, sites of service. The community itself is healthy. Conversely, there are a lot of communities that are, that are failing, uh, and they have a, a failing hospital as well. I've been the customer of the other analytics companies, and I've bought the same information that was incomplete. It was based on things that happened a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. We're really committed to a better way because the health system, particularly hospitals, are under pressure that they've never been under. 50 years ago, the hospitals were the only game in town and there wasn't outpatient surgery and there, there weren't advances in therapeutics and there were rules to protect the hospitals and protect them in a, in a reasonable way. I mean, hospitals are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They have to treat anybody who walks through the door. And for a faith-based system, you, you take the regulation and you add to it the mission Hospitals need the kind of help that we can provide more than they ever have. So part of the point of the messaging is to try to tease out who's serious about understanding the problems, who's serious about addressing them. You know, Margaret Mead's the one that said that never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. That's what we're trying to do. And there, there are only 80 of us, but we're committed to a noble purpose. And we think that to, to get people rallied around a noble purpose we have to be honest with them on the front end. Is it sometimes painful? Yes. But does it help to be honest with yourself about where you are and where you need to go and, and what you'd like to be? I think so. You know, that's actually a, a great segue into Providence. Jeff bought into this early on. He understands the things that I understand. Providence is committed to the things that we're committed to. And I, I really think that's why we initially got together and, and why the relationship has been so strong since Providence became an investor. I want to continue to make that connection here back to Providence, but I do want to uh, just ask you one last quick thing here. What is the mission at Trillion um, exactly, and how do you address the problems that happen in, uh, in, in, in healthcare in, in these communities that you've referenced? It's very simple, Pat. We're trying to make hospitals stronger. Making them stronger depends on helping them find the right kind of patients and to develop relationships with those patients to develop that loyalty because those patients are the lifeblood of the health system. 
And so everything that we're about is making that hospital stronger, making their decisions better, uh, more informed, more timely to help them understand how to serve the communities that they're responsible for. Thank you, Hal. Let's uh, let's get Jeff Stolte involved here. Jeff, you've been on the podcast many times before. You're a recognized speaker and leader in the healthcare venture capital space. You have close to 15 years of investment experience in medical technology. You're currently a senior partner with Providence Ventures, where you helped build and now manage the fund, which has actually grown since uh, you and I last spoke. After Providence announced the launch of your second fund in January of this year, all told, you and the team now manage $300 million on behalf of Providence St. Joseph Health, which is a $24 billion healthcare system. So, Jeff, tell us how you and Providence got involved with Trillion Health and our guest, Hal Andrews. Thanks, Pat. It's great to be with you again to talk about Trillion, which is a great example, in my opinion, of Providence Ventures hitting its stride as a five-year-old fund when we made this investment last November. Um, I had built a relationship with a couple of Trillion's investors over the past several years and was building a relationship with the company's chairman as he was beginning to socialize the investment opportunity with the investor community. I'd always found Trillion's solution and the people involved to be interesting, but I took a much deeper look when I learned that the company was in the midst of an RFP with one of our largest regions to become that region's core strategy analytics vendor. Part and parcel to our model, as I've talked about before on the podcast, I engaged with Providence's regional leadership team and rode shotgun during their, their selection process. I, as I watched Trillion rise to the top of a list that included a number of well-known incumbent vendors, and like how there were stints early in my career, uh, or early in my, earlier in my career, where I played a strategy role for a different large healthcare system. And so I knew some of the vendors Trillion was trying to displace, and I got to know how as he presented the opportunity to my colleagues. So I heard the pitch firsthand on numerous occasions. I dug in with Hal behind the scenes. And in the background, he shared the investor story with me. And we both ideated on the opportunities, not just in this single region of Providence, which is really a bellwether for our entire organization, but across our organization as a whole and across the broader healthcare ecosystem. I heard many of the concepts, the mission, the passion that we just heard Hal articulated a few minutes ago. And when Trillion won the RFP process in this particular Providence region, I saw a clear path toward mutual value creation opportunities. We wrote our check and I've enjoyed the partnership ever since. So Jeff Trillion, they're all about analytics. Uh, they're making hospitals stronger and their relationship with their patients stronger. And they're achieving this um, through, through better analytics. You know, that word, can seem pretty buzzy these days. Analytics is part of the narrative in just about every business story you read. So as an investor, how do you separate who is actually doing something different with analytics? Is it easy to see when a company like Trillion has a specific and useful take on it right from the, the very first meeting with them? Or, or does that take time and, and potentially some process to figure out from an investment perspective? So it definitely takes time. I, I mean, I think Hal and I, but I'll speak for myself, we've seen myriad healthcare, quote unquote, analytics companies come and go. I, I probably look at one a week, um, addressing the needs of you know, some particular service line or, or business unit within large healthcare systems. 
And um, I often, and this is just being a, a hardened, you know, healthcare vet and and now investment vet, I'm often pretty cynical on a first call unless I hear certain attributes. And I think we can get into those. But certainly, I, I think, you know, there were some things that were different about Trillion, obviously, that built my conviction that their company was on the right track. That started with a lot of the feedback I was hearing with experts, my colleagues in the field who were basically starving for a better solution in this space. It's not a segment that's for the faint of heart. There are plenty of examples of companies in this space that have been, quite frankly, very well funded by investors, by management teams, et cetera, who have a clearly articulated vision and, you know, a lot of PhDs in data science, et cetera. And a lot of that can be sort of sound and fury signifying nothing if you don't sort of connect the last mile and make the make the information that you have available to the people who are actually making decisions on behalf of these organizations. And that's where I saw a significant difference on, on Trillion's side. I love that. How do you connect that last mile? Like, or, or how did Trillion Health connect that last mile for you? Um, was it a couple of moments later on? Um, how, how, how'd that kind of go down? I would love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, as I step back, again, I mean, a lot of my job is to sort of dip into the front lines, you know, read the body language, hear the questions that my colleagues are asking of Hal and his team and, and of companies that they vet as potential vendors. And my impression um, from those earliest meetings was this is a team with a unique combination of attributes. Hal and others on the team are not only experienced entrepreneurs, as you've heard, but they also have deep experience on the user end of past solutions in the market segment they serve. They've been senior level operators at healthcare institutions and have been in the unenviable position of making key business decisions on the back of imperfect data. So Trillion, I, I think what, what really struck me is that Trillion has coupled this deep healthcare experience, understanding how operators manage their healthcare organizations with a breadth of data sources, both third-party and proprietary, and then turned a complementary team of advanced data scientists loose on the challenge of integrating, cleansing, and presenting these data in a manner that's actionable. And this final word, actionable, has been the critical missing link for myriad analytics solutions I've looked at in the past. One of my first questions for healthcare analytics companies is, how do you fit into existing workflow? Where people are making decisions, how do you get your information in front of them in an easily digestible way so that they can make better decisions? How do you enable your end users to actually use the information from your analytics to consistently make better decisions? And without a good answer to those questions, I just keep on walking. A lot of companies, all companies out there, are, are, are they're diving into data. They know how to do that very well. How, let's talk a little bit about that. So I, I'm curious kind of on two levels, like how do you sort of hire, manage, and keep a development team? But it also just would be interesting to hear about your, just your approach to that, to, to your development, how to dive into data, how to decide what your de development team, you know, is going to make actionable. Let's, I'd just like to talk about that a little bit, you know, however, however you'd like to. Let's jump into development a little bit. Okay. I think there are several things buried in that. Um, the first is the team itself. I've been blessed to have, there, there's sort of a, there's a group that sort of follows me around from place to place. Uh, I don't want to give the impression that I'm the Pied Piper or anything like that, but there are a group of guys who are engineers, data scientists, uh, developers who have been 
in healthcare, as, as Jeff mentioned. They've worked for the largest health systems in America. They've worked for the largest payers in America. They've worked for the largest revenue cycle management companies in America. And so the first thing that sets us apart is it's not just that I'm a user, that I'm someone like Jeff, who's, who's been in strategy or M&A, but that the development team has been in healthcare data for decades. And so they understand the, the messiness of the data, the complexity of the data, the ever-changing nature of it. And that sort of institutional knowledge is something that you can't just recreate. I think the second part is what Jeff said. It's back to being a user. What I've seen in, in my experience being on Jeff's side of the fence and being an investor for health systems, strategic health investors, is that a lot of companies come in with a solution to a problem that you don't have. And they're very excited about this thing that they've done, but they don't understand the healthcare business. They certainly don't understand the hospital business well enough to know that that's a, a relevant problem, a, a valuable problem to solve. And so can you object to the problem they've solved? No, it, it seems like a, a fairly nice solution. It's just not meaningful. It doesn't, it doesn't move the needle from the standpoint of quality or revenue or efficiency or, or something like that. I think the, the third piece of this is that we listen to the customers a lot. And our best ideas come from the questions that the customers ask. We've been fortunate, particularly with Jeff's help, to now work with four or five of the 10 largest systems in the country. And what I tell my team, not just the developers and the engineers, but the sales team and the product team and the strategic resource group, if they hear the same question from three or four of the 10 largest systems in the country, then they should assume that all the health systems have that problem. And that's probably a good idea for us to go solve. So we, we focus on things that we set out to fix, knowing what the problems were when we were the customer of these other analytic solutions. And then we spend a lot of time listening to the customers. RFPs are a great example of that. When someone has a vendor and they put that relationship out to bid, the questions they ask reveal the things they can't answer. And so we spend a lot of time just focused on the questions in the RFP, trying to figure out how many of those questions we can answer, how well we can answer them, how consistently we can answer them. And we know that if we can answer most of the questions in an RFP most of the time, not only would we be a valuable partner for that health system, but we also understand the weakness of the competition a little bit better. So you, it sounds like you get pretty, pretty hands-on. I would, well, I mean, I'll ask that question. How hands-on are you, Hal, with your team when you get into the minutia of, of, of some of this stuff, you know, whether it's with your developers or with your engineers or with the wider team on sort of like, studying these questions every time you approach a new healthcare business or to, to partner with another uh, another hospital or another healthcare system. Is it hard for you? I mean, are, are you in the minutia a lot? Can you stay above it? Like, what's the balance in there with, a, with an analytics company like yours? Well, the challenge is to, to frame out ideas and set a vision and a path and then turn loose the team to, to put that together. Again, back to a, a team that I've worked with in some cases for, for now 13 years, we've gotten into a rhythm where I can literally draw something on a whiteboard or articulate a concept, and they're, they're fluent enough 
and and what I'm saying and understanding the understanding the business to come back with a prototype. I get very involved on the the product side at the beginning. Uh, I frame out the problem. I frame out some high level hierarchies or high level views that I think are important to users, and then I turn them loose to come back with uh, the the first iteration. I, I say I get very involved. I get very involved for a very short period of time. So right now we're working on the next version of our physician analytics product. I spent an hour with the team last week with six people on the design team. They'll come back to me in two weeks. We'll have a 30-minute meeting. They'll show me what they've done since we last met. I'll give them a couple of suggestions. They'll go off and come back in a week with another iteration. In two or three weeks, we'll have an alpha product in the field. We'll take it to um, some of the folks at Providence, some folks at other customers, and get their feedback. And, and so am I involved in a very detailed manner at the beginning? Yes. Do I micromanage them? No. I don't like to do that, and they, they like it even less than I do. I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. So that's great to hear. I mean, in, 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 in every industry, I think that's a, that's the key to management to kind of knowing that balance. Um, and, and this specifically says a lot about the importance of having a team you trust and having built a relationship with them in, in many cases over several years, as you've clearly done. So well done. Um, I'd love to hear uh, what it's like on your side, Jeff. Um, and I'd actually like to know the answer to this question. What's uh, honestly more difficult, working with a company that has a tangible manufactured good to bring to market or working with someone like Trillium, where the product is essentially um, their intellectual approach? That's a really interesting question, Pat. I, I mean, on the surface, a, a tangible manufactured good, in your words, may seem easier. That is where form follows function, right? It's the case with medical device companies we sometimes invest in. There's a product that you can hold, you can look at, you can see how it might function to augment the body or replace some capacity. And I'm clearly not the clinical expert on the team, so I'll, I'll leave it right there. There's a good there. reason for that. You have your expertise. <laughs> exactly. I, I, uh, my colleagues are, though, so we, we cover all the bases. Um, however, I would say, you know, regardless of how abstract or tangible a product may seem on the surface, my feeling is that it won't matter in either case if the result of using that product, whether measured in hard or soft ROI, is not easily demonstrated. And while I can't get into specific metrics about what Providence is achieving, I believe, and, and based on my discussion with the colleagues who are using the solution, the company has added significant demonstrable value to Providence as a customer. And that is really the name of the game at the end of the day. We've talked around you know, the, the difficult decisions that strategists and, you know, healthcare market development professionals make. But I would say any of our operators are under extreme pressure to spend scarce capital in really intelligent ways. And, and again, I think the fact that Trillion is one of now one of our key enabler partners to making those better decisions and allocating that scarce capital in a way that has much better ROI is essential for the sustainability of our organization. So I think they've, they've kind of won that battle. I would also add that 
when a solution falls more on the abstract end of the spectrum, this really further highlights the value of the company's management team to be able to relate to its customers and to understand which value propositions will resonate with them. And I, this harkens back to Hal's comment about you know past analytics vendors who are incredibly smart teams building sometimes incredibly elaborate um, solutions or algorithms to problems. But if the problem is not something that it, it, that's in the top five list for a healthcare operator's priority, they're not going to spend money on it. And so because Hal and team have sat in many of the same operating seats as their customers, he and his team can speak about his solution with really strong credibility. Jeff, walk me through a Jeff Hal meeting or, or even conference call. How often do you catch up and then kind of what's the first thing that you guys get to when you have time to uh, meet with each other? Uh, so thankfully, it's not like a wrestling match. Um, <laughs> Rick Rick Flair isn't off to the side screaming. <laughs> I, I'd love to spend some more time on that anecdote, uh, maybe on a future podcast to your point, Pat. Um, no, Hal and I speak uh, frequently. I mean, uh, hopefully he doesn't feel it's overbearing from my direction. I certainly don't feel you know, the reverse. And Hal's going to think I'm blowing smoke because uh, he agreed to join me on a podcast, but I'm not. So far, it's been a really constructive relationship. I am not uh, an activist type investor. I don't like to stick my nose in where I don't think it belongs. I want to be helpful and value added. And so, again, our model of investing is such that I, because I have the strength and size of one of the largest health systems in the U.S. behind me, I find that embarrassingly easy to do. Um, now, it, it relies on finding companies like Trillion that can walk it like they talk it, that have something of value to offer to Providence. But in, in those situations, our conversations you know, typically are, who can I introduce you to next? Where's the product going next? Are, are there ideas that you'd like to bounce off of experts who are my colleagues in Providence and, and I can encourage them to give you a really candid answer. It may not always be the answer you want to hear, but, um, but they'll make you better. And if they make you better, the, you know, the company will be better. My investment will grow in value. You'll be a better vendor to Providence. And it's just this, this cyclical sort of additive relationship I have found. So a lot of times we're, we're talking about business development, both within Providence and outside of Providence. And, and we certainly try to be helpful wherever we can. And, and Hal, to his credit, you know, keeps me very well informed about the critical things on his mind. And, and as the company thinks about its progression through the various stages of maturity, it's, I feel it's, it's been a lot of fun. What's the view from your side of the relationship, Hal? It's it's just as Jeff says. I, I think, and that part of that is experience. So one of the things that I have seen other innovators not do very well is communicate effectively with their board and with their investors. And one of the the key things for me is to always be in front of whatever the news is. I never want to surprise Jeff, and so it makes it a lot easier to have a good relationship with somebody if they're never surprised. And does that mean that there's never bad news? No, but when there's bad news, we surface it. When there's good news, we surface it. The, the key is to have open lines of communication to be candid and transparent. And then the other part is to ask for help. I mean, Jeff, Jeff's right. He's not overbearing. He's not an activist investor. But I know Jeff can help, and I know I don't have all the answers. And I think the reason that we've gotten along so well is that 
I'm not afraid to ask for help. And Jeff is always willing to help if he can. And he's always quick to tell me if, if he can't. It's, it's a lot better as the guy running the company to know yes or no. I can deal with yes or no. Maybe is pretty hard. And every conversation I've had with Jeff, we've gotten to, I can do this or I can't, or I'll try. And he's been a man of his word. And that's all I can ask for. I just want to add another thing, Pat, because I know part of part of the purpose for us hosting this podcast is obviously to talk about the companies we're excited about, what makes them unique. And I think you've done a great job over this series of extracting lessons learned, quote unquote, for you know young entrepreneurs and old entrepreneurs alike. And I've been an investor in Trillion for a year, you know, add that to my kind of lifetime portfolio of, you know, 12 or 13 other companies. And I've seen boardrooms, and I'm sure Hal has too, of all different shapes and sizes, of all different sort of, you know, methods of operation. And I will say, you know, Hal as a CEO is not someone who lacks confidence. And I don't mean that in the in, in the negative sense. He is confident about the mission and vision of his organization. He's confident that his team can deliver. But he has um, this very healthy balance of being confident and experienced and at the same time understanding that with, with the right help um, from the sidelines, so to speak, from the boardroom um, – he can always benefit from alternative perspectives. It doesn't mean he'll change his mind necessarily, but I think it enables him to make fully informed decisions. And those are the boardrooms I like to be a part of where I feel like there are opportunities for me to help and the CEO will actually listen to the advice. And again, I take no offense. My ego's you know, in check. I don't expect anyone to do what I say. Um, but the fact that he will solicit input, not just from me, but from all the investors and, and board members around the table, I, that is a recipe for success in, in, in my experience. What's next for Trillion? What's your three-year or five-year or 10-year plan? I'll just kind of uh, let you have dealer's choice there. Well, if you go back to my bio, you'll realize that a 10-year plan has never been part of my plan. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the three-year plan if I could. Case in point. There you go. I think that's the one everybody wants to hear anyways. Uh, we, we have a vision for, for what's next. And a lot of the things that we talk about in front of healthcare customers are pretty new concepts to, to healthcare customers, to health systems and, and large provider groups. And yet they're, they're things that the rest of the economy has been doing for years, if not decades. And one of the things that uh, we're focused on, probably the biggest thing, is what we call the recommender system. And the Providence is a great example. Providence is a multi-billion dollar, multi-state, multi-facility ministry that has a number of different markets. And in those markets, it has a number of different competitors. And those competitors have different assets in the market, different capabilities, different strengths, different weaknesses. The characteristics of the people who live in Missoula is different than the people who live in Lubbock, is different than the people who live in Santa Monica. And trying to bring some order into the vast amount of data that is that's facing Providence to help them make data-driven decisions. The reality is that most health systems have made decisions for strategy and growth based on anecdote. Uh, we routinely see health system clients whose, whose strategy for growth is 
they'll say, well, we just, we look where Starbucks puts a coffee shop or, or McDonald's puts a restaurant. And that's, that's worked for a long time. But how McDonald's decides to put a restaurant on a corner or where Starbucks puts a coffee shop is driven by a lot of complex factors. And we believe that we have to bring those, those complex factors, those variables to the health system and use inputs that are, very, that are important to the health system. Will you find a good retail location if you follow Starbucks? Probably. Is that the best location you could find for the population you're serving? Maybe, maybe not. And we want to bring the same sort of rigor to analytics for strategy and growth to health systems that all the rest of the economy uses every day. If we are successful in doing that, it'll take us three years to really have a model that works. And then it'll probably take another three to five years to get the health system to, to buy into that concept. So maybe I'll split the difference and give you eight years instead of five or 10. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, thank you for that. Um, Jeff, where will you focus your energy in your partnership or where would you like to focus your energy in your partnership with Trilliant and how over the next few years? Well, it's, it's been a short tenure, to be honest, uh, but a productive one on the analytics side of Trillion Solution. Hal mentioned that, you know, there are roots to the relationship between Providence and Trillion that go back years um, through our St. Joseph uh, region, which, you know, is St. Joseph Health, Health merged with uh, Providence a couple years ago. Um, we became, in, you know, de facto legacy clients. But I think, you know, as, as the company has evolved its solution, um, we've seen more and more applications that I think will will make us a stronger health system. And after that initial RFP process that I mentioned at the outset, Hal and team have successfully signed up two other Providence regions, and my team introduced them to another major business unit in our, our health system office that is actively engaged in commercial discussions with the company where the engagement could be very meaningful for both organizations. So I believe we're really only scratching the surface as to the opportunities for this partnership. Trilliant, and some of this has probably come through in Hal's comments, Trilliant strikes me as the type of solution that inspires creative thinking about other potential applications of its capabilities the more folks use it. And so I think this concept uh, that Hal has espoused of having really every facet of his organization with an ear to the customer about, hey, this is nice. What if we did, you know, X is nice. What if we did Y to augment what you guys already do today? I mean, I, this is Again, core to what we do is Providence Ventures, given our unique relationship with Providence. But we'll continue to stay in close touch with Providence's business owners to help bring this voice of the customer back to Hal and his company. Providing effective healthcare in the right location during this era of healthcare delivery transformation is of extreme importance as health systems such as ours continue to evolve and adapt to the demands of consumers who have more healthcare choice than ever in many markets. So, we also intend to continue adding value by introductions outside of the Providence organization to other like-minded vendors and healthcare systems that may find Providence's success with the solution compelling. I think, you know, I strive with every company we invest in to, you know, help foster the relationship between the vendor and Providence as a customer to really build a strong reference from one of the, the, the industry's largest players. And I think that can, can be very helpful to the company. I expect to see Trillion in, um, 
in every lunchbox before long. So we'll uh, we'll do our part to help with that. So. That's great to hear, and I think it's really it's it's just a really good perspective. You you brought this up quickly, Jeff, and you know as you know I ask this every podcast, and I'm going to throw this to you first, Hal. What do you think new innovators should do to increase their chances of success in the field of medical technology? Well, the the first thing that is specific to healthcare is that healthcare is different. There are lots of people, particularly in Northern California, who want to believe that healthcare is not different and it's just a few lines of code and a nice application layer and they could solve all the world's problems. And and that includes some of the largest companies on the planet. I mean, that includes Google and Facebook and Amazon. And um, the reality is healthcare is different and it's different for all the reasons that Peter Drucker said it was different. It's the most capital intensive and the most labor intensive business on the planet. And it's also one of the most highly regulated. And you can't say enough that healthcare is different if you're thinking about innovating in healthcare. The second part of that is because healthcare is different, it's always going to take longer than you think. And it's always going to take more money than you think. And I've been involved as an investor and a board member and an executive of early stage healthcare companies for 23 years. This is the first year in my life where I was ever part of a company that was ahead of budget. And we weren't ahead of budget by much, but it was the first time we'd ever been ahead of budget. It's just a lot harder than people think. I think the third thing is focus. The thing about going out to sell something to a health system is that each of them does it just a little bit different. And each of them will want to do it sort of in a customized way. And it's very easy in the early, the early stages of a company to try to please the customer, to try to sign that first customer, to try to get that first revenue or whatever that is, the first 10,000 of revenue or the first 100,000 of revenue or the first million of revenue. And you have to make sure that you don't end up basically building a custom solution for one health system that nobody else wants. It, it sounds good as you're doing it and you're doing it from the right motivation and the customer is doing it from the right motivation. But you can find that you have built something that is highly customized and highly specialized that nobody else wants to buy. And then you've, you've allocated a lot of time and money and resources to that one thing that's, that's not reusable. The last thing I'll go back to, and it's, I think the foundation of, of mine and Jeff's relationship, it's the foundation of my relationship with the board is transparency. Most startups fail. Most fail quickly. Um, very few make it to cash flow break even, much less uh, an IPO or, or something like that. And being transparent about the struggles and the, the problems and the challenges is critically important. And I, I know, you know, the, the younger version of me didn't really want to talk about those things. I didn't want to surface them because I was embarrassed. I thought they reflected poorly on me, that, that people would think less of me. Um, and I've learned over time that's just part of, it's part of it. Uh, there are no easy paths to success. There is no overnight success. And the sooner that you surface those issues in a transparent way and you try to get help from the board and your investors, the better your chance of making it. Well, that's a lot of great advice. 
And if you're, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're a new um, to investment in, in, in medical tech or you're a hopeful innovator and you've listened to this podcast before at all, you've heard Hal just sort of you throw some stuff at you. Definitely a few very specific um, new and interesting things, but also he has paralleled some things that we have covered um, with other very smart people who have successful companies now. Um, so uh, um, hopefully some of this is really sinking in because it's, it, it really truly is great advice. Um, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, of course, toss this to you too, Jeff. Do you think new innovators could learn something about starting a company um, um, from, from, from the model that Hal and, and his team has created at, uh, at Trillion? I'd be in trouble if I said no, but it's, <laughs> exactly. a, it's a resounding yes. Um, uh, I'll probably sound like a broken record with respect to remarks I've made you know, throughout this episode and from a couple of the past ones as well. But I think Trillion is particularly emblematic of several of the traits um, that we've discussed. And, and so they bear repeating. One is just be thoughtful about the composition of your team. Healthcare, I mean, we talked about this and how, you know, I think made some great comments. Healthcare has some similarities to other businesses, but there are some dramatic differences too. And so complementing excellence in technology development, for example, with deep, deep expertise in the target market of healthcare has been a consistent thread in, in my more successful companies. And if you can hire leaders in the organization who have direct experience using legacy solutions in the market you serve, as in Hal and, and Trillian's case, all the better. And then second, you know, drilling in, we've, we've talked a lot about the complexities in the analytics space. Um, it is one of the buzzier words in the industry. And I'm, I've become just an advocate for taking a fairly open architecture approach to the way a company's technology is built and deployed. It's limiting if you're only able to express your analytics via Tableau or insert your favorite data visualization tool here, right? I mean, when integrating into a CRM solution, if the choice is only Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics, but not both, especially across large, complex organizations such as ours, and there are many such organizations in U.S. healthcare, particularly in this era of continued consolidation, Trillian's ability to say yes a lot when it comes to their customers' deployment environment has enabled the company to adapt and grow more quickly in my mind. And I think, again, that goes back to this concept of Great that you have fancy algorithms and quality data. How do you get that into the right hands in the way they're accustomed to and, and make their job easier? So, uh, Thank you for being on the podcast. Jeff Stolte with Providence Ventures and Hal Andrews from Trillion Health. Uh, thank you, guys. That was fantastic. That was fun. That was, that was awesome. That's the conclusion of this episode of Providence Ventures Radio, where we talk about funding the future of healthcare. If you have any questions or suggestions for the show, or just want to tell us you heard something today that made you think, we'd love to get that feedback. Check out the Prov Innovation channel on Medium and leave your thoughts, or follow Providence Ventures on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Yeah, one little one little technical blip in the beginning, which is which might even be a, a record for us. <laughs> Appreciate you teaching me how to use my mute button, Pat. It's, <laughs> it's always embarrassing as a tech investor to not be. Able to is that what it was? It was your mute button. I, I'm sad to admit it was. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs>